What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in, as always. Uh, if you are a first-time listener, you can ignore all this part and fast-forward to the beat. But if you plan on sticking around a while, then stick around and listen to this. First things first, if you're a weekly listener, all of you guys that listen every time to me talk about my life, then be sure to go to patreon.com slash kinda neat and help us keep the lights on around here. Patreon.com slash kinda neat and pledge $1 per episode. At most, that'll be $4 a month. It's like buying me a cup of coffee. I would appreciate it as would my man Ben behind the boards making the shit sound buttery. Also, we still have some dad hats available. If you guys want to go to kindaneat.net and um, click on the shop button, you can copy yourself a stylish Kinda Neat logo hat and impress all of your friends. Uh, I also want to say shout out to my girl's dog, Kennedy. She's in the studio right now laying down looking very adorable. Very adorable. You guys can go to Instagram and see me holding her in a picture with Raven Linnae, today's guest, who are we, who we are so honored and privileged to have on the show because she is truly going to be a star. So, some funny things happened to me, and uh, I'm going to talk about those. And some sad things happened to me. I'm going to talk about those. Sad, not sad, like not, nobody died, nothing crazy happened. Well, something did die, and I'll get to that. Over the 4th of July weekend, well, okay, if you guys have been tuning in for a while, then you know this. I love tacos. I've talked about them previously on an episode with K-Flay. I did a whole um, tight five or tight ten probably about my love for tacos and how um, uh, living in Los Angeles, one of my favorite things is just going on hunts for amazing tacos. And um, thankfully, my girl, she also uh, enjoys eating tacos. So, we have this thing where, like, sometimes we want to go on taco adventures, you know? We'll go to, uh, we'll go out of our way to find a good taco truck or a good taco stand that is um, off of the beaten path, out of our way. And, um, you know, we'll just go with some cash in hand and say, let's eat some fucking al pastor, let's eat some carne asada, and uh, have a good night. And so we found one of those. There's a new a new list came out of like pl- of taco places to try that are off the beaten path. And we picked one that I was like, oh, I've heard about this one and I've always wanted to try this one. Let's go there. Now, with what happened, I'm not going to tell you what the taco stand was because I ain't a snitch. Uh, I'm not going to name names and I'm not going to even name locations because I don't want you to think that what happened is something that's that always happens. I think that we just caught a bad break. But we go to this spot. It's out of the way. We wait in line. It smells amazing. They're cooking outside on a charcoal grill. The meats are sizzling. The smoke is in the air, lingering deliciousness. And also there are ladies churning out corn tortillas, just beautiful, fluffy. The masa is just being rolled and pressed and they're, they're on a flat top grill just being just like uh, filling with air and, and look like balloons that could float away. Just delicious. It just looks delightful. I'm so stoked when I'm in line. I'm just oh, I, can't, I can't wait. My mouth is watering and um, we get in line. There's no menu at this spot. And um, so I just order four carne asada tacos four pollo tacos and four al pastor tacos and they whip them up real quick it is a beautiful process watching them whip it up it's like a magic trick how fast the dude does it you know just simple meat cilantro onion they squirt on some salsa and then some various other things i I think if i get too specific with the ingredients then maybe people will know where i went if you're a real like taco head (laughs) yo what's up kind of neat i know y'all are taco heads um so anyway, we just stand around this spot and and uh, we eat our tacos and they are delightful, if not a little spicy. You know, my, my gal doesn't uh, really take to spicy food that much, but they tasted so good that she tolerated it because they were uh, exceptionally spicy, particularly the Alpa store tacos because they use different salsa on there. Very spicy, even for me. And I love spicy food. Um, we chow them down and then uh, to cool our mouths off, we go have ice cream afterwards and everything's fine. We go home, you know, nice relaxing night after that. And the next day was July 3rd. So that was on a Sunday night that we went. Monday was July the 3rd and we had plans to go to a beach thing. And I woke up not feeling so hot. And at first I thought maybe it was just some indigestion stuff. Like, I don't know if you guys know, I'm lactose intolerant, but I took a lactate before I had the ice cream. So generally that, um, that cures all stomach ailments for me and does okay. So I didn't think, I don't know. I was like, oh, maybe the lactate just didn't work that good with the ice cream. And this, uh, troublesome morning movement is just 
just that. It's just a morning thing and it'll go away. And then it kept going. I started to develop some flu-like symptoms and I spent a lot of time in the bathroom that morning. And then my girlfriend also started feeling sick and got flu-like symptoms and a fever. And she actually ended up having to vomit, which I didn't have to vomit. Point being is we got food poisoning from a taco cart. And I feel bad. Here's the thing is that, like I said, the line was long as shit. I'm positive that not everybody in that line got food poisoning. If you ask me, do I think it's a safe bet to go back there and eat again and would the same thing happen? I would say, yes, it's a safe bet. Like you could go back there and it would be fine. Nothing would happen. I probably wouldn't get sick. I don't know what caused it. I have my hankering suspicions that it was probably the chicken. I'm just guessing just because that's the most volatile meat to get sick off of. But somehow we both got sick. We ended up with food poisoning and had to stay in bed. Well, I stayed on the couch. She stayed on the bed all day, all day Tuesday, had to miss out on the festivities. And then we were pretty much still a little sick on the 4th of July and ended up in the house that day too, just kind of hanging out. It was like a 24 and a half hour bug. Like by Wednesday morning, I was all right. But yes, Monday and Tuesday, oh my God, it was miserable. I'm not sure, but I think that was the first time I've ever had food poisoning. Like, I don't have any distinct memories of having food poisoning before. And it's basically exactly like having the flu. So it was miserable. Like, you're sweaty and hot one moment, freezing cold the next. You feel dizzy when you stand up. You get the cold sweats. You get the hot sweats. You got freaking a headache. You know, your body's achy. And beyond that, it's coming out both ends. It's terrible. It was miserable. That being said, like I said on Twitter, I would never snitch on Yelp because this place is very highly rated on Yelp, which makes me which leads me to believe that like there's no way that it's a common occurrence that people get food poisoning there because the reviews are too high. I told my friend Romo, who you guys know, uh, that I talk about from Ham on Everything. I said, man, I, I went to this taco spot and I got and I got uh, food poisoning. And he said, you didn't get food poisoning. He said, you just don't got that Mexican stomach. And I was like, well, valid point. Perhaps that is true. I don't know. Either way, I caught that Montezuma's revenge, and the shit got me, and that's how I spent my 4th of July. So, telling you that to say that it was funny. I just thought it was funny. I ended up with food poisoning at a place that, like, when when I tell people the name, they go, of course you got food poisoning there. And maybe they're right. But, nevertheless, my taco adventures will continue, and I will be back on road soon, finding more delicious morsels from our immigrant community, because tacos are the perfect a template for food perfect delivery device of meat to tummy okay so this is the bad news that happened to me last night randomly as i'm preparing to do this podcast charging my cameras and stuff i went to send myself an email like from one account to another so that i would have information when i got here and my computer started acting weird and it started beach balling like just doing the email now I've had this computer for seven years strong. Like I got it in 2010. Back in the day, I got this Pepsi commercial where they used my voice as like a guy to go, you think that's refreshing? Listen to this. That's my voiceover voice. It sounds exactly like my regular voice. But I made a bunch of money doing this randomly. It was like just this perfect combination of being in the right place at the right time and knowing the right person. And they got me a job where I made a shitload of money in a matter of mere hours. And so I was about, uh, I don't know, like 20 something. I was like late 20s at the time. And it was the most money I'd ever made in five hours. And I was like, I'm about to splurge out, get rid of this old shitty laptop and buy myself a brand new iMac. So in 2010, I bought myself like a $2,300 computer, just like ball out, bought it in cash, like fucking... I just threw it at the Apple store person. That's not true. I used a credit card and then paid it off quickly to increase my credit score because we are smart with our money and all of you guys should be too. So I've had that iMac for seven years now and pretty much any creative output you've seen me do in the last seven years has at some point touched that computer or come through the plugs on that computer. So It's been working perfectly. It's never shown me any signs that it was getting ready to die on me. It didn't give me any warning. It didn't go on hospice care. It didn't give me signs of like, prepare yourself, back everything up, and because I'm on my last legs, Dad. But last night, it started beach balling, and I had to force it to quit because it wouldn't uh, relaunch Finder. It wouldn't force quit out of stuff. Everything was just making it beach ball. So after about, you know, 15 minutes of sitting there going like, oh my God, I hope it works through this. I forced it to quit by holding the power button. It turned off. And then, um, I turned it back on and it got through the boot up 
just fine to my login window. But even my login window was making it beach ball. It was acting weird. And I got it to log in. But when I got it to log in, my desktop never showed up. Like it just went to a black screen and the mouse was floating around, but nothing else would load. And I let it sit there and try for about another 15 minutes. At which point I thought, okay, weirder things have happened to this before. I'm going to just try to restart it one more time uh, and start it in safe mode and, and hopefully everything will be fine. I turned it off again, turned it back on, got to the gray screen with the apple and the little bar loading up, and then it just shut itself down. Tried it again, got to that same screen and shut itself down. Was never able to get it open to safe mode, and uh, I'm resigned to the fact that uh, I never named my computer. I should have named it, but, you know, my old girl, my old my seven-year-old girl, my computer passed away last night. And so after this podcast, I'm on my way to go new computer shopping and, and cop a new iMac. I feel miserable. I, I wish that I could play taps in the background to just, like, you know, give give that computer a good sending off to the computer heavens. It's done me good. It has done me good, and I'm very sad to have to spend new money on an iMac. But that happened to me last night. And, but I didn't, you know, the good thing is I didn't freak out that much because luckily everything that I've been working on for the last couple of years, I had a moment of clarity a couple years ago where I was like, I really need to get like external hard drives and like back everything up and start working off external hard drives instead of this internal hard drive, because who knows now that it's like five years old, it could be bad news. And so thankfully a couple of years ago, I backed everything up and I just have everything on hard drives. And so everything I've been working on is still available to me. But the thing that I am sad about is I'm going to lose a huge music collection on there. I probably had like over a hundred gigs of music and I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to recover it. I'm going to take it into the Apple genius and see if maybe if it's the hard drive that died, then that'll be it. But thankfully that's what streaming services are for and it'll be, it'll be fine. Other than that, one last thing, as you guys know, I told you we put my father in a uh, living facility and it seems as though the initial stress that I went through in the months of April and May with that, like which were just absolute, the most trying months of my life and and, uh, just a horrible time. It seems as though those initial stress days are over and we have reached a bit of complacency. He seems to be doing really well in his new facility. And um, since it's down here in Calabasas and my family is up in Alaska, I have taken on the responsibility of going to visit and check up on him. And so I've been going once a week and uh, it's been a month now and I've gone four times and and, uh, he seems to be doing good. But yeah, so my dad is doing okay. You know, a couple times it seems as though he's kind. You know, I, people say, "Oh, well, does he recognize you?" And the question, is, I mean, the answer is like, I don't know. I, I don't know. He doesn't know my name, but like, and but like, it seems like because of my, the vibe that I give off and the fact that I say "dad" and and the fact that I'm like seem confident that I'm supposed to be around him, that he still takes to me and is like, "Okay, I'll listen to what you say and we can hang out." Does he know who I am? I, I don't fucking know. But one of the three times that I went, he definitely like didn't know he was like not into it and just didn't really even acknowledge i don't know like it was like he's he's weird with stimulation now like sometimes if somebody's in front of him saying his name he'll react and sometimes he won't and so one time i went he wasn't really reacting but the other three times it's been nice we'll walk around go outside you know it's a big open kind of facility so he can walk around and roam and which is what alzheimer's folks like to do And so, yeah, that's the update on that. It's going good. It's very trying and it's very tough. And it's a thing that I wouldn't say that I enjoy going to see him. I would say that I do it because it is my responsibility and I'm trying to step up to the plate. But it is fucking sad. It's really sad. Every time I leave, I'm really beat up and distraught. And I have to go on days where I don't have a lot of work to do because I've I've already realized that I can't generally get myself motivated after that because it gets me really depressed so i have to kind of go on a day where i know my schedule is clear but i think over time i'll get used to it it gets a little easier every time but i still leave sad but it's like i don't get sad while i'm there at least i can hold it off until i leave at this point when i first started going it was like while i was there i would have to like put on sunglasses halfway through so people couldn't see me crying but i'm getting a little better at it Um, hopefully as it goes on, I'll get better and better and build up some calluses and be able to just go in as like with my logical voice, my voice of reason rather than my fucking sad son voice. So anyway, today's guest we have on Chicago's Raven Linnae. Raven Linnae has two records out, like an LP and an EP and 
they're both on her SoundCloud. One is called Moon Shoes, and I think the other one is called Midnight Moon. They are wonderful. She is so young, and she put out the first record when she was like 15, the second one when she was like 17, maybe turning 18, and you would never guess. They are records from an old soul, and her voice is as powerful as someone who's been training it for 20 years, and she's not even 20 years old yet. I think you guys are in for a treat with her. She was a pleasure to talk to and really a gift to watch perform in our little private concert that we always do with the videos. It was really mind-blowing to experience it. And I think you guys that tune into the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash kind of neat, plug, 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 are going to really, really enjoy her performance. She's going to be on tour with SZA in August and will probably be coming to a city near you. So If that lineup is in your city, make sure to go because she is going to be a star. Without further ado, this is my conversation with Raven Linnae. Okay, so Raven. Hi. Nice to Hi, meet you. Hi. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm excited. I love your music. Thank you. Um, you have such a beautiful voice and just like dreamy lyrics and great beat selection. And so I just, I just want to get all the like, <laughs> want to get all the compliments out of the way before we start learning about you. So you're out in LA. What are you out in LA for? I am recording with Steve Lacey right now. We're oh, with on, Steve? Yeah. He's been in here before. Yeah, he told me. Yeah. Like, when, I, when I told him I was coming up here, he's like, oh, yeah, that should be cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he seems like the coolest. He was he was like only 16 maybe when he was up here because, yeah, and they're like, oh, yeah, he can't go on tour with us because he's in high school. What, yep. a, what a talent. When you see Steve next, tell him to come do his own episode. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. So you're out here recording with Steve Lacey. How's that going? Amazing. Yeah. It's just... It's just amazing to be able to connect with someone on the music tip because it's hard. It's an intimate and emotional thing. Totally. And you can't just do it with anyone. So um, it's just great to find other producers who get me and who has the same taste as me. So There's that certain level of trust that you have to find, right? Exactly. Yeah. How Mm -hmm. did you know that you found it with him? Because it just came naturally. Mm -hmm. Like, I know when it's not a good fit because it's very obvious. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, uh, mm." But like when the the vibes are going and we're laughing and we can just talk about anything besides music, mm-hmm. that's how I know that, okay, outside of music, there can be a friendship. And with the friendship develops a musical relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I know. What's you guys' process like? Is he just kind of coming up with stuff on the fly and you're like, oh, that's it? Yeah, that's how it usually works. Like, um this whole week, we're starting on new stuff, like, every day. Like, we never really go back to what we did yesterday. Right. So we may lay some hooks down, but we just leave that alone and start fresh the next day. And I really like that method because it gives me um, a chance to just come in with a clear head and, like, not having that pressure of, like, finishing a song. or The like, timeline. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's just more so fun and yeah. natural to do that. I was watching that um, documentary last night, Defiant Ones, mm-hmm. the, the Dr. Dre and St- uh, Jimmy Iovine thing, and Dre talks about that where he's like, he's like, look, the killer of creativity is release dates. Like, when you yes. feel that pressure yes. to finish something, right? Exactly. Yeah. I, there's this old quote that I've said a hundred times, too, like, a good poem is never finished, merely forgotten, mm-hmm. where it's like um when you force yourself to finish something maybe you ruin it sometimes exactly yeah exactly yeah uh so you started very young Mm -hmm. you put out um the what moon shoes Mm -hmm. when what you must have been 15 or 16 yeah (laughs) like sophomore year it sounds so it's (laughs) so it's such a mature record yeah just tell i mean i don't know tell me about it well that record um was my debut, I feel, of me coming into my own shoes as an artist. Uh, Your moon prior, shoes. yeah, exactly. <laughs> prior to that, I hadn't really made that much music. Um, I had a few songs on SoundCloud, mm. but I never really focused in and created a body of work. Um, so that alone made me mature in a lot of ways, like juggling schoolwork and going to the studio on weekends was just a lot, you mm. know. Um, but as far as the content, I feel. Um, it's it's much more mature than my age mm-hmm. because I like to pull from um, people older than me or maybe my, my mom or my grandparents stories that they've told me or their experiences. Mm-hmm. I like to take from those and, and kind of relay those in my own words and my own color if that makes sense right I read that you you like to create characters exactly. while you're songwriting mm-hmm. yeah so tell me about that 
I think that any story should start with characters and a plot and and just the imagination, um, which a lot of music today I feel lacks. Um, so I like to create this little fantasy world in my head, and I hope it comes out in my music uh-huh. the way I intend it to. Uh-huh. But um, I don't know. Whenever I hear a beat, I just try to imagine a little world, a raven world full of these characters and like, okay, what is what character is going to speak today and what do they have to say, mm-hmm. you know? Um, when you're doing that, do you sort of lay out an outline of like, okay, here's the beginning, middle, and end of this story and then fill in the words or do you kind of just like have an overarching idea and let the, the lines take it where it may? I usually have an overarching idea okay. and I just let the, the words flow. Uh-huh. So it might be, I may think of um, a certain theme or a color or a picture even. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I pull from that and the words just kind of like fall from okay. the sky. Yeah. Well, speaking of color, I, I, I'm just going over like the brief things that I've read about you. Mm-hmm. I read that you have synesthesia and I, I also have synesthesia. So I want to ask you, yeah, when I listen to moon shoes, I get warm colors. Yeah. And when I listen to, um, what is the second one called? Mo- uh, Midnight Moonlight. Midnight Moonlight. Mm-hmm. I get colder colors. Yeah. I get blues. I get yep. oranges from the first record and blues from the second record. Yep. Is that, is that you too? Or yeah. You th- okay. I actually ha- like people have diagnosed me with yeah, that. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually a thing for me, right. but I just feel really connected to colors. Yeah. Um, but that is exactly how I feel about both of those records. And yeah. that is the main difference between them. Yeah. Um, those lighter colors, the pink, the yellows, the oranges mm-hmm. are just more uh, lively and vibrant. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those, those songs on, on, on moon shoes have that vibrancy mm-hmm. and like that innocence and and they're not necessarily youth, totally you and know they're not uh, and they're not necessarily like happy songs right but they they have a happy feel exactly. to them almost and, exactly. and, and, and yeah and then the, and the second record definitely does have a more like mm-hmm. contemplative like mm-hmm. less happy feel exactly yeah um yeah, I'm glad. Right. I'm glad you get that. Finally, <laughs> someone like understands. Because yeah. whenever I talk about it, everyone's like, uh... "It can be a thing. Where, <laughs> it can be a thing where you think people can think you're crazy." Yeah, exactly. But but like as I explain it, they kind of are forced to feel that you yeah, know. Yeah. Well, and I I think um, a lot of people say I've heard a lot of people say that synesthesia is not a real phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But I think that everyone that I've talked to that does have some uh, amount of synesthesia they're very good at putting records together yeah because being able to um hear things auditorily but mm-hmm. also see them visually it's easier to place songs next to each other on exactly. a record and have a flow exactly it's know? like a, it's like a color palette, a palette you know exactly and like the the colors have to flow and look nice together you know <laughs> totally totally um, so tell me about where you're from i am from the south side of chicago born and raised mm-hmm. um yeah, you know Chicago. <laughs> I, I, I don't know Chicago, no. but I, I, I've not spent any significant amount of time in Chicago. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of artists from Chicago, but I, one thing that I do know about Chicago is that I think the rest of the country has a severe uh, misinterpretation of Definitely. what Chicago really is and a misrepresentation of what's actually happening in Chicago. Definitely. So tell me a little bit about your upbringing, and then we'll talk sort of about the sociology of it and stuff. I'm very interested in it. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, I'll start from the beginning. Sure. Um, I was born in a, a single parent home. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom has worked very hard for me to be the person I am today. Shout out, um, mom! Shout out, mom! Mm-hmm. Um, from a very young age, I always knew that I was—I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be in the arts. I wanted to dance or sing or just do things in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I felt most comfortable. I just didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, and I think that's okay, you know, mm-hmm. being being young. Um, so my grandma, she bought me my first guitar when I was like. 10 and no I started way. taking guitar lessons yeah. and I quit it and then I started taking piano lessons and I quit that yeah. and then I started taking vocal lessons and from there I realized okay this is what I want to do I, I like telling stories through my vocals rather than my fingers mm-hmm. um, so I, I really wanted to take it seriously and they, and they knew that so I started to look for um, high schools that emphasize the arts mm-hmm. and it's weird because Chicago being an art city they only have two high schools that are for performance arts Mm -hmm. and um one is the academy of the arts and one is uh, the public um version of that Mm -hmm. Um, and i went to the public version chicago high school for the arts Mm -hmm. and there i was taught classical music um 
I, I acted. I what else did I do? I, I I was taught music technology, music history, just everything that a little black girl from the South Side of Chicago would not learn otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just a great thing for me, you know, being exposed to other types of music. Um, I don't know. It just molded me into the artist I am. Because um, what were you hearing in the house? Like, what, what, what does mom listen to that was inspiring you? Soul, yeah. R&B, hip hop. Um, like who? Who were some of the ones that stuck out to you? Indie Oh, beautiful. Outkast. Yeah. Um, uh, Dev and the Dude. Really? Yeah. I, yo, I love Dev. <laughs> I love Devin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so classics, you know. So. I never hear anybody shout out really? Devin the Dude. That, that, that gave me like the spine singles. I never hear anybody that knows about Devin the Dude. Yeah. No. All right. <laughs> My parents were hip. So. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so born into a single um, family household, but then you just said parents. So did, mm-hmm. mom, did mom remarry? Uh, okay, it's it's very complicated. If you don't mind talking about it, we, we love complicated. <laughs> well, my mom is a single mom, yeah. but... In my childhood, my dad would just come in and out a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but he definitely had a musical influence on me, if if anything. Um, he introduced me to those artists mm-hmm. and just real music, good music. Um, he has an amazing ear for that. Um, mm-hmm. So if anything, he gave me that. Um, so Are either of your parents musical, uh, like talent-wise? No. No, really? <laughs> nope. Yeah. My grandfather, actually, my, my family originates from Panama. You're right. And uh, he was in a doo-wop group really? called the Dominoes in Panama. They were actually pretty popular. That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love doo-wop music. Yeah. yeah. And he was the soprano. Yeah. But um, he was about my age when he started or uh-huh. a little younger. Yeah. But when his voice started to change, he got really insecure about it and mm. stopped. Because <laughs> he would crack on stage. Right, yes. right, right. <laughs> um, how, how did he end up um, immigrating over from Panama? Do you know? that story at all um he's actually um he was in seminary at the time and there was an opportunity in america that um caused him to move here he actually moved to cali first really? they were in pasadena wait seminary forgive me for my lack of vocab is seminary something to do with like priesthood or yep, something? exactly okay. yeah exactly okay so mm-hmm. he was he was a catholic no or he's what? a christian reformed okay what's mm-hmm. that about I'm not very familiar with exactly what it is, but okay. I think it's just Christian, yeah, right. but just a refined version did, of that. Did you grow up in the church at all? I did. Yeah, I did. And did that um, uh, help with your singing as well? Like, were you in choir and stuff like that? It was actually the first place where I did solos, uh-huh. so it gave me that confidence in front of a crowd. You know, um, you rather sing in front of people who know you and who love you first instead right. of a crowd who doesn't know you and yeah. can like boo you off stage. So mm-hmm. that gave me the. It made me comfortable on stage and just mm-hmm. gave me a chance to explore being a solo artist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I also read that you didn't really take to school, though. So how early how early was it that you like started hating school? Oh, my goodness. Probably. Elementary? No, I was cool with school in elementary. It's yeah. easy, you know? Yeah. Are you an only the child? Hours? No. How, I have how many? two sisters. Older or younger? Younger. Younger. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're the eldest. Yeah. All right. Um. Uh, school. I think it started my sophomore year once I started to do music and I started to travel and I saw that there was a whole world outside of school mm-hmm. and like all of my friends are older than me and they were out of school and they were able to do these things that I w- mm-hmm. wasn't able to do. So I started to like resent school for like taking so much of my time and energy, you know? Sophomore year seems like one of those turning point years oh, where that, that's where a lot of people go, all right, I'm, oh, I'm done with this. I'm yeah. ready to go be an adult. Yeah, but I think mine was just a little more severe than the, the normal right. teenager. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so South Side of Chicago. I think um, America hears about Chicago in the news because um, uh, the the evil dictator in yeah. office talks about, oh, we got to clean up crime in Chicago, yeah. not realizing that um, systematic oppression and problematic gun laws mm-hmm. have created these things and it's not because of the I mean socioeconomic disparity there mm-hmm. is, is running rampant as well there are a multitude of, of, of facets that have caused Definitely. these problems in Chicago and I think that there are probably also a lot of beautifully positive things going oh, yeah. on in Chicago too that we don't hear about in the news. So tell me a little bit about your neighborhood and just tell me about things that maybe people don't know about Chicago because yeah. of all the misconceptions. Well, I live in West Pullman Park, which mm-hmm. is super south mm-hmm. um, in Chicago. 
And one thing that anyone who comes to Chicago would notice off the back is how segregated it is. Right. The south side of Chicago particularly oh, is is almost completely African American, right? Just black. Yeah. Okay. And then at some point, like if you take the, the red line, the train, yeah. um, maybe at thirty fifth, uh-huh. the the train starts to fill with, with white people. It's right. it's just crazy. Or you right. are coming back south. Right. Um all the white people get off at like 35th mm-hmm. and then from there on it's just black mm-hmm. it's insane you mm-hmm. know how it's systematic you know this is done for a reason and right. like you're, you're keeping these people apart um and it's just really sad because just driving from north to south you just see it um increasingly become poor and poor and sadder and right. you know right. um but my neighborhood and and, and specific is, is a very um i don't know if you know west pullman I don't. Yeah, he he was what was he? He was like an entrepreneur. Okay. He was super rich. He just made he made this like ideal um neighborhood. Like all of all of the houses are the same color, like very Barbie doll like right. like in the twenties or something. It was beautiful. Oh, cool. Um it's really close to Roseland. Yeah. It's called Roseland because there were so many beautiful roses and um bef- this is all before white flight where okay. all the white people moved out. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um but where was I going with this? <laughs> so, yeah, you're in West Pullman. Mm-hmm. And, and so tell me just specifically about your neighborhood. What's it like growing up there? It's a, is it like a fully black community? Yeah, yeah. it's mostly black. Um, but it's mostly older people. Uh-huh. So my neighborhood is, is pretty quiet. Yeah. Um, but there's also a side of West Pullman that is white. Uh, a lot of um, Dutch people live there. Okay. From where from when West Pullman was a thing. Yeah. When when white people were there, they a lot of them stayed. So there's like a side that is still white, but then there's a side that's black. So is your part of West Pullman of um like an artistic kind of enclave at no, all? No. There's nothing really artistic in on the south side. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Was okay. So I mean, I I, I want to ask a question that maybe is just like ignorant, but is it a dangerous neighborhood? Um. Honestly. It is case by case. Because yeah. um, my block in particular is not. Yeah. But you may go five blocks down and it is. Right. You know, yeah. it just really all depends on who is in that neighborhood. Because mm-hmm. I have people who have been there for 40 years, you know, mm-hmm. older people who have not moved. And so they, they've established this tone on their block, you mm-hmm. know, that mm-hmm. no one messes with. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have five blocks down where maybe a younger couple lives there or, or younger kids and it's loud and rowdy and it's crowded, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have that natural um, imbalance when there's older people and younger people. Right, right. But um, did you go to elementary school on the South side? Yeah, I did. It's, was it like a pretty fully black school then? Yep. Um, and then when you went to um, the art high school, mm-hmm. what was it? What's it called? Chicago, Chicago Pro- high school for the arts. For the arts. Mm-hmm. Was that a more um, kind of integrated school? Oh, yes. Was there any uh, amount of culture shock with that? Honestly, no. Yeah. Because um, I was always well-rounded. Yeah. Um, I had... Oh, in elementary school, I didn't have any white friends. But my church, because yeah. it is in West Pullman, those Dutch people go to that church. You oh, know, yeah. uh, my grandpa used to preach there. Right. Um, so there, I was I was exposed to white people, and you know, I just had that that um, well roundedness. If that's right. a word. Right. No, totally. So when I and I'm also just a very open person. I'm very yeah. accepting. So me going to an art school just didn't it just made it even better for me you know um i um to go off on a little tangent here mm -hmm. i I listened to um this uh this fellow malcolm gladwell have you ever heard no i haven't he he wrote this book the outliers it's amazing you would love it i've heard of that actually it's it's great you should read it on on a plane or something uh so he has a podcast now and one of the last episodes he talked about is integration in schools right yeah and one of the things that happened during um segregation in the south um when they were trying to integrate schools uh a lot of northern schools like in New York, Chicago, Detroit, places where like they, they weren't part of the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. So people thought, oh, it's already like, you know, black people are already free up here. We don't yep. need to integrate. Th- those have in turn historically become some of the most segregated schools in wow. the country. Like New York has more segregation in their schools than than like Mississippi or Alabama does wow. because down there it's a law. Right. Right. But so one of the things he talks about in, in this podcast is that during the integration of schools, um, Black families weren't disappointed with their schools in their neighborhood. Like the kids were learning well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was ju- it was more like just a um, I- integration was more of like 
making the point that like segregation is wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that happens in turn is that none of the black teachers got hired. Mm. Um, And so you had all these black children learning from white people and therefore being um, treated unfairly Mm -hmm. compared to white children. So did you have black teachers or white teachers? White teachers. And how, how did that feel growing up in hindsight? Uh, there was actually my senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually some controversy mm-hmm. uh, with the uh, what do you call that thing with the lesson plans because yeah, yeah, yeah. they were geared towards white students. Mm-hmm. You know, even the history and just all of that. You know, there was a lot of stuff going on. Cultural bias. Yeah, yeah. like it was like a, a lot of racial division. Like during my senior year that I've, I had never experienced, really? you know, um, there was a use of the N word in school by wow. white people. Wow. Yeah. And it was just very shocking being in a, an art school where everyone's like gay and like open and you know, yeah. so, uh, it was just very shocking for me to experience that my senior year. Um, as a woman of color, do yeah. you feel like your voice was heard uh, or like, or w- was your voice being suppressed? Like we're, you know, I, I talk about this a lot of, um, with black women on the podcast, um, just about the, the stereotype of the angry black woman yeah. that white people tend to take. Like if you react in a normal mm-hmm. elevated way that anybody w- would react all yeah. of a sudden you get typecast as like, Oh, you're just like this yep. angry black woman. Did you experience that when, when that was happening? Um, I didn't, yeah. but my friends did. Yeah. Um, because I, I was hardly in school. (laughs) So when I was in school, uh, I was getting the aftermath of what happened. Like I was getting the update, like, okay, so this happened. This I'm like, what, what, what? Um, but yeah, it was just a lot of mistreatment. Mm. Um, and there were, their voices weren't heard. Mm. I remember my friend Cam, he put up a sign throughout the school saying like white people can't say nigga nigger or any use of the word mm-hmm. and the teachers someone took it down mm. they took him down mm. yeah right and no one ever knew who took him down but it had to be either a teacher or a, or student. a student or i don't know someone was offended a white person was offended right o- over a statement that yeah. is like blatantly true mm-hmm. yeah wow um so tell me about traveling then. You say you start traveling your sophomore year? Yeah, yeah. I did. Um, Th- that was with a band group or a choir group or something? Or what was it? Uh, just me. Oh, just you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, like so, you, so you? started to pick up for me instantly. sophomore year. Okay, yeah. so, and that, so is that when, that's when Moonshoes dropped? Is it sophomore mm-hmm. year? Okay, and so... Um, all right, well, so I guess let's talk about the process of making that record before we get into touring it. So who who do you meet that's like, you, you have this voice and I have this music, yeah. like, let's make it work. Like who produces you? Monty Booker. Shout out Monty Booker. Yeah. I met him when I was probably, when I was 15, uh-huh. I met him and Smino, um, around that time and they, they were just like getting together and, and making that's, your, music. that's zero fatigue. Career. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and we met because I was recording at classic studios and they had heard my music and they wanted to meet and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And off the bat, we became friends before even making music. You and Monty. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like, we would just talk, we would go out to lunch. He would take me home cause I couldn't drive, you know, right. it was just a friendship that developed that made the music part much more natural and easy. Right. Um, I don't know. No one has ever gotten me like he does. Um, it just clicked instantly. I thought that my smooth voice was just brilliant over his very busy and intricate production. Yeah, because um, the first record in particular has some pretty bombastic drums and mm-hmm. they're kind of on beat, off beat, like mm-hmm. very kind of Dilla esque um, yeah. type rhythms. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, your voice does absolutely cut through. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought it was a cool sound that it no is. one was doing. Right. Um, and we just clicked. Me and Smino, we just became friends. And yeah. um, it just happened naturally like that. Like making that record wasn't, didn't even feel like, I guess I was just making music and yeah. it just happened to all be cohesive. Right. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll just do a project. I just slapped them together and put it out. You know, it just wasn't really well thought out. And I guess that's the beauty of it, you right. know, not thinking too hard about it. And how did you put it out? Just threw it on SoundCloud? I put it on SoundCloud. And, yeah. And, and was there, um, was there initial reaction to it that surprised you? Definitely. But was e- even, it quick? Even my first song that I ever dropped in life was an initial reaction. And I was just like, whoa, what is yeah. happening? You know? Um, Did, I feel like blogs picked up on it pretty yeah. fast. Like, who, who, who picked up on it? Um, these Days, uh-huh. uh, Pitches and Planes, yeah. 
they have supported me my whole journey. Yeah, shout out Jacob. Yeah, my whole journey. Mm-hmm. And Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um those are the two blogs that have like really backed me up mm-hmm. this this entire time and I, I have so much love for them. Mm-hmm. Um because they believe in real music, you know. I just feel like a lot of blogs now are just so oversaturated and they do whatever's cool and post whatever anyone else is posting and mm-hmm. it's just not I don't like that. I don't like... Yeah, there's a big difference between aggregated content yeah. and curated content. Oh, I love that. And, and so I I, I, uh, I share a similar vision as as Jacob and the folks at Pigeons and Planes where yeah. I try to definitely curate content rather than just aggregate it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that's how I found out about you, to be honest, was through Pigeons and Planes. So cool. shout out to them. Yeah, See? yeah, there you go. <laughs> Making the world go around. <laughs> Tell me about the scene in Chicago because you just brought up Smino, mm-hmm. who, who's of course like blowing up as well right mm-hmm. now. Um, super fucking talented. I mean, just the bars are crazy. Yeah. But what about other? You've collabed with um, Saba. Yeah, Saba. Mick. Mick Jenkins. Uh, who else? No name. No. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's amazing things happening in yeah. Chicago. Hurt everybody. Mm-hmm. I love them. Um. So, did you guys all go to school together, or are you guys around the same age? Like, how did you? Was, or was it? A, was it the Monty Studio that yeah. made you guys all find each other? Well. I am the baby of the group always right. Right. Uh, but they they had a wave before I even came in the picture I was probably still in 8th grade when right. they started their wave Mick No Name Chance yeah. uh, Saba um, John Doe yeah. um, so I am I'm just tagging along on the right. tail as a baby you right. know right. Um, but I think it's just that the music community is just so small in Chicago. Like they didn't even go to the same schools, you know, mm. it's just, and I don't know if you know of YCA in Chicago. No. It's an organization that's, that basically gives kids a platform to be artists. Yeah. Um, they, they host open mics. Okay. They do all of that stuff for kids and it's amazing. And yeah. I feel like a lot of them met fair. Um, did you partake in that as well? Yeah, I did yeah. Early, yeah. earlier on. They, yeah. they helped me a lot. Awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, the music community is just very tightly knit and we all just know each other. We're at the same events. We record at the same studios, you know, um, it's just a friendly thing, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's funny how that Chicago sound is, is cohesive yeah, too, though. Like yeah. you, you guys sound of the same spirit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's weird. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. Sometimes I get Joanna Newsom vibes from you. Have you ever heard her? No, I haven't. You should check her out. Yeah. Yeah. Joanna Newsom. Newsom. Uh, yeah. She's like this weird, um, this weird like angelic folk singer that plays really? a harp. And when I try to describe your voice to people, I say it's like a mix of Erica Badu and Joanna Newsom. That's so funny. Yeah, I have should to pe- listen to her. You should be proud. I think, <laughs> I think you might like I like her. anything angelic in yeah. harps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't fuck with the harps. It's like, it's like it's like an alternative Disney soundtrack or something. Oh, that's you know I mean? me. You, yeah, you would love it. You would that's love me. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you drop Moon Shoes mm-hmm. and people pick up on it, obviously. And so now you're getting to like start playing shows. Yeah. So... Um, is it something where you're instantly getting pulled into the industry where you're getting like a booking agent and a manager and mm-hmm. stuff? Uh, initially it was not that. Okay. So how, um, then how were you playing shows? What happened? Uh, I, I made a, created a Ravel and name music email. Right. Um, and I got to be that one to put it in my bio. Serious inquiries only. <laughs> it felt so good doing that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, Raven Lynn, and it's just going to your phone like these right. emails. Yeah, that's right. all it's doing. Right, right, right. Um, but uh, I started playing shows pretty early. Um, a lot of them were for free, you yeah. know, just to get my name out there for people to see me and a lot of times they were just my friends in the crowd you know mm-hmm. but I had to do those shows around locally in Chicago yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I had to do those to just, just get your chops up yeah, exactly exactly and just get more comfortable with uh, performing in front of an audience I don't know you right, know um, right. so those free shows are definitely important um, what was your stage show like was it just you with your laptop playing music or did you have a band with you me and a flash drive a flash drive yeah. everywhere Okay. me and a flash drive yeah I mean it's um, very portable that yeah. way yeah <laughs> Give it to the DJ and say, press play. Exactly. Um, That was earlier on, though. But um, I quickly noticed, like, the the change in in popularity when they started to actually pay me. (laughs) Right. It's like, oh, I get money to do what I love to do? Right. Um, So that was amazing. It feels like like stealing. Yeah, Yeah. it does. It honestly does. Um, I should be paying y'all, you know? Exactly. but that's when I noticed, like, okay, this is actually becoming something, and like people actually really love this. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, 
And so where was your, where were you first getting to go on spot dates, like out of town? Where were the first places? Hmm. Was it in the Midwest or? Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. Iowa. I did, um, some college shows. Um, Cali, I did some stuff here. Uh, I was so excited to come. I had never been here. And like music is like literally taking me to places I've always wanted to go, you know? Um, uh, New York, I did some stuff there. And around that time is when Atlantic was like flying me out to talk to me and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, That was my first time in New York. It was just Mm -hmm. amazing that like music was letting me do all these things, you know? Um, I otherwise wouldn't be doing. Um, I probably still wouldn't have gone to Cali if music hadn't taken me there right, um, right. so yeah i'm gonna give you a local tip what nobody calls it cali out here <gasps> what do y'all call it we just say los angeles <gasps> or california like Uh-oh. the easiest way to spot a tourist is, is cali. Hear, hear him call it saying cali or san fran oh <laughs> no well that's the same thing with chicago like people say shy town no one oh, says that it's so right? ugly yeah exactly <laughs> Like, no one fucks with nicknames when you're actually from there. Right, yeah. I feel you. Like, I, I should have known that. Probably no New Yorkers walking around going, I'm in the Big Apple. No. <laughs> in that voice. You know what I'm the tourist voice. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So now you Okay, know. now I won't say it anymore. It's all right. It's okay. <laughs> you mentioned that Atlantic starts flying you out. Mm-hmm. So that's eventually who you sign with that's out in the open we don't have to hide mm-hmm. that right? okay so you signed with atlantic so um were other labels courting you as well or or was it just kind of like they just were the first ones and they had the, they were the right ones they were the first ones and the right ones yeah um yeah they were amazing yeah tell me about it I, I we don't i don't really talk about the signing process yeah. a lot on here so i think it'll be foreign to a lot of listeners about how that kind of actually goes down because we do have a, we have a lot of independent artists gotcha. on or people that are early in their career and go on to get signed mm-hmm. but you got signed at a, at a young age mm-hmm. so tell me about that courting process and and the ins and outs of like hiring lawyers and yeah. all these people tell me about that stuff um well the first thing they do is stalk you <laughs> And but in like I, a healthy way. In a healthy way, yeah. exactly. And since I was young, my manager didn't really tell me everything that was happening. My mom was very like involved in that stuff. Um, they didn't want to tell me until like they knew exactly what was going on. Mm. But it started as simple as them coming to shows and like just standing in the crowd. Wow. You know, them just like watching and like in chicago or in new york in chicago they really? would fly to my shows Ooh. and just like watch and w- it, would it be like just an old white dude that you yeah. that like <laughs> didn't fit in the only white dude in the crowd is yeah. usually an a and r yo i go to shows i shoot a lot of shows and like i always go oh there's the label guys because yep. it's like three like 40 year old exactly. or like 50 year old dudes really <laughs> that like are are dressing like this is what i wear to look cool when exactly. i'm not in a suit <laughs> It's so funny. But yeah, usually the only white guy in the room is the A&R. Um, but it started like that. And I remember I played a a show at House of Blues and that's where I was introduced to my A&R Austin at Atlantic. Shout out Austin. And yeah. And he's just like, I'm just such a huge fan and I love to talk to you guys whenever, blah, blah, blah. And he flew back out and then uh, they set up this meeting with, with, with us to come to New York about a few weeks later. Yeah. And that was my first time in New York. And I'm just like, whoa. Like, I just felt like I was in a movie. <laughs> Yo, it does feel like a yeah, movie there, huh? it does. Like, Times Square? Are you kidding me? I was just like, cause I've seen it in movies, but it was just weird, like, being there. Um, so they introduced me. They um, bought me a lot of food. You know, they're trying to sell you. Um, I met with uh, Craig at, at um, Atlantic. Um, it was just amazing, you know. They're very nice. They they seem to be very in tune with with who I was, yeah. and and they seem to respect that. You yeah. know, I'm just I'm not, and I feel like a lot of people don't know I'm signed because I just wanted to keep the organic feel of my right. of my um, this whole thing, you know. Um, right. And I feel like when people get signed everyone knows because it's, there's this huge shift right. in like the artist's branding right. if you feel me right you know it just becomes super label yeah. you know well because um, they start trying to place you with these producers yeah. like oh hey this person made this song exactly. let's see if you work with them exactly or even like a, something as simple as their social media right. just changes yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and like your, your your supporters supported you and loved you for who you yeah. were you know yeah all of a sudden you got some like uh, right. social media manager talking about tell me about your favorite <laughs> breakfast sandwich exactly like, what? like or or they're posting in third person yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just so weird to me right um, so I would imagine that with someone like you Atlantic's pitch is probably is probably like look 
we love who you are. Yep. We want you to remain on your path. Yep. We're not going to rush you. We want you to grow. That's exactly what it was. That's perfect. That's exactly what it was. And they're just like, we just want to be that force behind yeah. you because being a singer and in the music I do, you need, you need that help. Yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't shy about like knowing that, you right. know, um, well, I needed money. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, if you're going to be a, a musician, it is a full-time job, it is. but there's no, you can't go like sign up for the, the wages no. of a full-time job as a musician. No, you can't. So that's a, a label's job is to kind of like front you that full-time job money. Exactly. And then you make it back for them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I would, I, I mean, I think that's a great approach with somebody like you because here's the thing, like full disclosure, I do think you're somebody that's going to have hits and, but right now I, you're still, you're still young enough to where you're finding your voice. Exactly. And so if somebody who's trying to rush hits, exactly. that's a way to burn out a young artist. Mm-hmm. Like, like the easiest way to like ruin someone's career is to force them to try and write hits. Definitely. But it's going to happen organically mm-hmm. with you if they just give you time, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like they, they know that they yeah. understand that. Yeah. And I know that, you know, mm-hmm. I just need time, you know, I'm yeah. young. Right. I, I'm still finding my voice. Like you said, yeah. um, it takes time, even for an, an adult artist. You right. know, you have to find that, um, and I and I appreciate that about them because they obviously they obviously see longevity in me. You know, rather than signing totally. something super quick, totally. just to get a couple mil off yeah, you and then exactly. and then shelf you. You know, yeah, because you in listening to your first two projects, it should be clear to anyone that that loves music that like you are not. Um, setting yourself up up for a one hit wondership like you you are someone that's going to have a 20 30 40 year career i think so that's what (laughs) that's what i foresee and and i am a psychic so um so so it's like it's it's settled Uh, yeah so how does life change after signing at all you're still in high school at this point right i'm out now oh well no no but at that point point, when you got signed i am um honestly they were very patient with me um they were very set on me like in my contract they said you're finishing high school period Mm -hmm. um so they were very lenient on that they didn't really do too much with me Mm -hmm. Uh, they would fly me out on weekends or sometimes during the week if Mm -hmm. it was really necessary Mm -hmm. um but they always made sure that school was at the at the forefront um but then touring came around and like we had to make really hard decisions um like like uh, how do I manage school and touring? Like yeah. my mom was torn. She's like, okay, if this is impossible, then what do we do? Yeah. But I have to go on this tour. You know, it was my first tour with, with no name. Yeah. And um, that was just like last. How many months ago was that? Oh, that was recent, wasn't it? It was recent. February ish. It was in February. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it ended in March. So yeah. it was about two months, three months. And that's your senior year. Mm-hmm. So what did you do? Just take a, like a study book with you? Man, we set up this whole process of me doing work. So on Mondays, they would send me all of my work for the entire week, uh-huh. and I would send it back the next Monday. And uh-huh. that's what we were supposed to be doing. Uh-huh. I sort of kind of did it for a week, right. and then I stopped doing everything. Right. <laughs> it's just impossible, yeah. you know? Touring is very oh all-encompassing. I hardly have time to eat, right. let alone do math, right. you know? Um, and they were very understanding of that, luckily. Um a lot of my teachers are artists themselves. I'm so saying you're going to a performing arts yes, high school. They be, like that's mm-hmm. credit. You're on tour. You're exactly. on a national tour. Like yo, okay, yeah, you're performing. And you're doing art. Like, exactly. Yeah. So they were they were very understanding of that's that. Cool. Um, that's cool. It was hard though. Yeah, it's hard. So what? I imagine you graduated with a 4.0 with honors, right? <gasps> Woo! No, <laughs> but you graduated, I graduated, and you got to walk. <laughs> Like this, I yeah. did. I did get to walk though. Yeah, <laughs> I was really nervous at some point, yeah. but um, luckily I passed the classes that I needed. Right, and the other classes I was just like, okay. So as as such a young woman on tour, do you does mom go with you? She went with me last time. Yeah, um, for a little while. How was that? Oh, it's cool. Me and my mom are best friends, yeah. you know, um, and no one got you like your mama. Right. And I just need I needed her there for that totally. first time. You know, what's your mom do for work? Uh, she works at Chase downtown. Oh, OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Um, and so what did you learn on your first tour run that you wouldn't have expected to learn? <clears throat> I think I learned the importance of like a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
and 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 I just learned the kind of person I am. You know, um, I don't like tour buses, <laughs> even oh. though I, di- I didn't take a tour, but I saw how that life was. Yeah. And I think at some point it'll have to happen, you know, yeah. with the band and just flying is just too much, too, mm. sometimes. But I just learned myself in that way. Like at some point I would just lock myself in my hotel room just like to get away from everyone. Yeah. It's, it's a lot, you know, like even when you're hungry or you're sick, you have to get on the stage. Um, mm. Um, and smile even though you're not happy mm-hmm. um well and sometimes those crowds can be um, tough impatient tough. Yeah, yeah tough definitely like hard to win over but as the opening act particularly exactly yeah um it's an uphill battle because they're there to see one person mm-hmm. and if you fuck up once on stage they it's might, over they, there might be they might be chanting no name no yeah name. you know that yeah yeah and it's it's a lot of pressure being an opener um mm-hmm. but everyone goes through it and mm-hmm. i have to always keep that in mind like everyone was an opener once mm-hmm. and you just paying your dues right now mm-hmm. you know i just try to keep that positive attitude about it and also it's a challenge you know right. trying to win over these fans and like woo them you know it definitely helps get your chops up because you learn those kind of techniques that can like okay wait i'm losing them what can i do yep. to turn it around oh yeah. yeah oh yeah i kind of like molded my entire set around that you know right you you start to learn that you need to make a set that's uh has as many ups and downs as an album mm-hmm. does because it's like you want to do that personal song that means so much to you that's slow but then you It'll know you better them. you better follow that shit up with some crowd participation exactly. in the next one or something right exactly yeah. or, or just even being able to read a crowd like mm-hmm. even though you have a set list mm-hmm. and and you're you, you have to like use your discretion to figure out like okay should I do this song next even though it made sense last night mm-hmm. like this is a totally different crowd you mm-hmm. know should I take a break and pause and talk to them for a second you know it's just all all of that goes into being a performer and mm-hmm. I think people don't even realize is that you know right. just being able to read people in their energy totally um so yeah um the self-care aspect of touring i think like you're very right it's, it's very important to be able to find some space because that dynamic of being around such a big group um i already have a, a hard time being around big groups <laughs> even of my friends you know what i mean but let alone exactly. strangers, it's like sometimes it is definitely it's i would lot. need to kind of escape because you don't want to be the bad energy exactly person on the tour exactly but you also like don't want to expand all your energy for other people mm-hmm. you know yeah so what would you do just lock yourself away huh? i will lock myself away or i'll go for walks in the city yeah. just to like get away from the entire i'm in a different city i should enjoy this you know and i think like after like the first two weeks you start to travel and just go in your hotel room and like shut the door because you're so tired mm-hmm. but i'm like okay i have to be fully present because mm-hmm. these are places I've never been and these are beautiful people mm-hmm. and beautiful food and all of this and I should experience it all you right. know um so for a while I was just doing that <laughs> without incriminating yourself because mm-hmm. you're underage but are you a partier um I wouldn't say I am okay I'm so a socializer you, so you didn't have to worry about like oh now I'm hung over the next no, day on stage no. that, that's good that's a, <laughs> a strong maneuver on tour is not getting fucked no, up every night it's so, not worth it yeah totally it's not worth it totally <laughs> Um, you do. You have another tour coming up mm-hmm. that's already been announced, right? Yeah, with SZA. That's gonna be amazing. Yeah, I'm like, really excited. Yeah, how did you get chosen to be the opener for SZA? My amazing booking agent, yeah. Parrish. <laughs> what a good match. Yeah, like. And I, I, I knew she was going on tour because yeah. the album was dropping. And yeah. I kept telling him, I need to be on this tour. Yeah, I need to. Yeah. Like, I need to be in front of her fans. You are going to win so, so many people I hope over. So. This it just makes sense, though, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Like, I know that our audience, I mean, I've never talked about SZA, but I'm positive that our audience fucking loves SZA. Yeah. And so, like, in knowing that, if you guys are listening and you love SZA, like, you will love Raven Lene. <laughs> but that tour, I mean, there's going to be a lot of babies uh, made after that, Definitely. after those shows. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> there are going to be a lot of babies where it's like, oh, where did I come from? Mom? Well, you came from a SZA and Raven Lene show. Yeah, that's funny. Um, Smino's actually going to. Smino's going mm-hmm. to. That's fantastic. That'll be, uh, that's a, a real, make. that's a must-see yeah. when it hits your city. Um, so we talked a little bit previously about how you create characters when you write your songs. But now, as you're coming into your own as a young woman, and, and I'm sure, like, going through the, those steps of life where, you know, you're growing up, you're probably falling in love, you're yeah. probably doing these things, like, 
is the music going to turn more inward do you think and and is it already starting to do that it's already starting to do that yeah. like i just i just noticed that the content is is beginning to be a, a little more mature yeah. than than my other stuff right. naturally though you know as right. you, as you grow and you grow into yourself as a, a young lady you know falling in love or right. just experiencing all of that you know um it, it translates to your music right. even even the production maybe just a little more sexy here and there you know and I always thought it would be so difficult for that transition to happen, you know, because when you start really young, you come out, it's 15 years old. Right. People don't want you to grow up. Right. And that is a real thing. Like Miley Cyrus, all of them. I totally get it, even though oh, like that's I mean, berserk. Even, even with Beyonce, yeah. it's like she talks. She's married with a husband who talks people, about sex, exactly. and people think all of a sudden she's a bad like influence. Exactly, like, like, she's what? a grown woman, right? You know, she has a kid for Christ's sake. <laughs> like, like she's allowed to fuck. Yeah, like that that transition. I feel is just gonna be the weird part in my career because yeah. people still want you to be this like precious like. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, the thing to remember for you, I think, and this is this is my own just interjection and, mm -hmm. and unsolicited advice. But I mean, you're at this phase where, yeah, you have you you have a following, of mm -hmm. course, and you have these people that love you right now. But I think the thing to remember is that for every fan that ever tells you anything on Twitter about like you changed your yeah. content change, you're going to have. 10 other ones going like damn I just found out about you and this is the most that's, amazing thing that's ever that's so true you know what that's I mean that's so true so it's like the the um uh, to, not to bring up the defiant ones again because I, but I just watched it Jimmy Iovine talks about like you know what the reason they put blinders on horses when they're racing is because if a horse looks to its left or right and sees another one it misses he a gets, step yep. so as long as you keep those blinders on and not worry about what your the, the, these fans and followers that like you are saying and you just keep doing you mm -hmm. and growing then like more people are going to be attracted to you because mm -hmm. you, you're that kind of magnetic person anyway yeah okay sorry was, <laughs> I have to see that now You sh oh dude watch it <laughs> did you have HBO Go or HBO no, Now? Down. I'll send you a password. Okay. You, you can watch it on the plane. It's fucking fantastic. It's fantastic. It's very inspiring. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I already think Atlantic is doing great by you. They got you working with Steve. Yeah. Like, that's fantastic. Steve Steve had one of the best songs on Damn. Mm -hmm. um, just an amazing producer. His solo record is great. Do you have any songs that you think people misinterpret the lyrics on? Mm. A lot of times people, I like to leave my songs open-ended right. for that reason, yeah. because people perceive it in any, any way, right. but they screw up the lyrics a lot. <laughs> and I think that's my, like my biggest pet peeve. Uh -huh. Like it, they try, and they try to make it mean something that it just doesn't mean. Right. Um, I remember Blossom Deary was originally not a love song, uh -huh. but people made it into a love song. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll sing it as a love song. Well, what, what did it mean to you at, at first? It meant being confused in a relationship uh -huh. and and wishing that they would understand how much they, you love them and how much you want to understand them uh -huh. um, but they're like not listening um, there's just like a disconnect in, in the, the relationship and that's what I was going through at the time and people heard the chords and heard my voice and was like ooh love song right, <laughs> right. you know right even though and, it was like, a song about like, internal conflict or something yeah, yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> as things progress do you see yourself staying in Chicago Probably not. Uh, I love my city, but I'm just one to veer off and travel. You have um, wanderlust? Yeah, yeah, I do. I really want to live out the country for a little while, yeah. maybe like a year or two. Go be a, go do the London things? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking like Brazil or something. Oh, that'd be somewhere fantastic. More, yeah, oh yeah, know? right. For those of you that can't see, she was doing a bit of a Brazilian <laughs> dance there. Fantastic. I, I felt the rhythms. <laughs> Um, you hater no, that, wasn't, that, I, that was good I'm a, I'll be a positive I do not hate anything uh, okay so Raven where can the people find you online and when does the tour start and all that good stuff the tour starts in August in August um, and they can tweet me at Raven Lene Instagram me and spelled R-A-V-Y-N L E N A E. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's hard. My mom was being extra. So. That's a good name. <laughs> I, lo I love ravens. I'm, a, I'm from Alaska and I feel yeah. like I've always had a connection to ravens, the animal, just because really? we have so many ravens. And my high school mascot was a raven. Oh, okay. Yeah, now you know. Uh, that's so raven. Uh, 
so tweeting at Raven Lene, but also like your name is spelled interestingly enough to where like you can just Google it. Yeah, and all your shit there. pops up. Yeah, no yeah. one else's name. Right. That. And, and her SoundCloud is very well organized to where if you go to her SoundCloud page, you can listen to both of the records yep. right now. Spotify, Spotify iTunes, everywhere. Apple Music, anywhere, anything you have, I have. Yeah, yeah, she's got it all dialed in. Music videos on YouTube, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so just search Raven Lene. You're gonna find her. You're gonna fall in love with her and her music, and um, look for her in her your city in August. Is yes. it a national tour? Yes. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Do you know what size venues you guys are playing? Approximately. Ooh. Maybe a thousand. <sighs> Man, yeah, that's gonna be great, 15, man. Yeah, I'm stoked for you. That'll be fucking fun. Um, all right, well, I think we did it. I think we yes. did what we came to do. So, thank you so much for coming in. <laughs> thank you. Um, at this point, I do my social. So, if you want to tune out, feel free. I'll, also, I just want to say shout out to the dog Kennedy who's just laying here <laughs> being so She's cute. Like me right now. Kennedy is being She's so adorable, just sprawled out on the ground, didn't bark or make a single noise the whole time. <laughs> Um, my name is Lee. Some of, some of you guys might know me as Intuition. You can find me online at It's Intuition. You can find us as a unit at Kinda Neat. Follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shim, making the shit sound buttery at I Am Database, based with two S's. If you are a first-time listener, thank you. I appreciate it. We keep this podcast afloat with Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash kind of neat, where you can pledge $1 per episode. If this is your first one and you're just getting in because you heard because you heard Raven Lene was going to be on the show, thank you for joining us. Listen to some other ones. See if you want to stick around because we're going to have more artists just as talented and, and lovely as she is on the show in the future. So... Um, if you're a weekly listener, you better be supporting. We got hats. Go to kindaneat.net slash shop and uh, cop one of those. Uh, what else? YouTube.com slash kindaneat where we're going to see Raven Lene perform what song? Uh, Spice. Spice. And it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. I already know. Uh, with that being said, I'm Lee. That was Raven. And this was kind of neat. It was kind of neat.